0: Alright, this morning we are talking about the incarnation. And the incarnation is a revelation of the length of God's love. The Bible says if we want to be filled with all the fullness of God, then we need to understand what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of God's love that passes knowledge that we can be filled with the fullness of God. So the length of God's love is the incarnation. It's revealed here. We can see it here. So it's important that we understand it so that we can have a, a deeper, clear understanding of the love that God has for us. Now the Incarnation is one of the greatest miracles to ever occur in the realm of human experience. Wrap your brain around this. The God of creation stepped aside from his glory and power. He set it aside. He robed himself in flesh, took upon flesh upon himself becoming a man for the purpose of redeeming us from our fallen state and making it possible for all of us to become reconciled to God and the children of God. Now that's a mouthful in itself right there isn't it? But that's what the incarnation is. But for us to have a better understanding and clear understanding of the incarnation then we need to understand certain things number one we have to understand the nature and dimensions of man. Two we have to understand the nature and consequences of a man's sin. Adam's sin in the beginning. And third we have to have an understanding why an incarnation was necessary. So we're going to begin here with number one the re- understanding the nature of man and also the dimensions of man and we find this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 and here the apostle Paul writes and he says in that verse and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly or completely and I pray God that your whole spirit and soul and body notice those three dimensions spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord and so here we see the dimensions of man Man is a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body. And when he was created, his spirit was alive to God. His spirit was alive, it had life. There was no death whatsoever. His soul, which is comprised of the mind, will, emotions, and intellect, was completely 100% functional. Imagine 100% functional, 100% use of your brain powers. And look at this there were no negative emotions whatsoever to contend with or deal with. Can you imagine that? None. None whatsoever. No negative emotions. Well wouldn't that be wonderful? His body was immortal. That means his body would never die. So if you see man in the beginning but you understand this man full of the life of God was intended to live forever, spirit, soul and body full of life, no death whatsoever and he was given power and authority over all the works of God's creation. He was the highest creation of God. Well then number two we have to understand the nature and the consequences of his sin and look at Genesis 2.17 this is the young's literal translation, look at what it says, and of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou dost not eat of it for in the day of thine eating of it, now notice this last expression, dying thou dost die dying you will die and that's the proper translation, what's he saying? when you sin if you sin and disobey or rebel against God dying spiritually you will die physically and eternally so notice the nature of his sin it's called the sin of high treason that carries with it the death penalty so when Adam sinned his spirit died first his spirit was separated from God and his spirit took on a new nature a nature of evil. In Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 3 what it says. His spirit is now consumed with death, no longer life. Life is gone, death is in his spirit. Among whom also we, also we had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. Remember when Jesus told the Pharisees, you're of your father the devil? That means every person then who was alive is now found dead spiritually in Adam. So now he has spiritual death lodged in his spirit. His soul, mind, will, emotions, and intellect are now darkened. You see that in Ephesians chapter 1 where he's darkened. He loses his understanding of God, his knowledge of God and really I believe this is when his brain power went from 100% to 10% if he's a genius so death affects him in spirit, death affects him in soul and death now affects him in body, why? because his physical body becomes mortal or subject to death, that's why we die so we were alive, destined to live forever But man rebelled, committed high treason which carries the death penalty. Death now invades his spirit, his soul, his body. He is separated from God. He's without hope and without God in the world. And if God left him in that condition he would be eternally lost in the lake of fire. As well what happens is Adam's authority is legally transferred over to Satan who became the God of this world. What a sad day. Jesus acknowledged him as the prince of the power of the air, so did Paul. So we understand what took place in the fall. Thirdly, it's important that we understand the reason or the why of an incarnation. Why is it necessary? Why are we celebrating this Christmas season? Why is this so important? Look at Matthew 19, 25 and 26 and you'll know exactly why. When his disciples heard it, They were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is, what's the word? It's impossible. It's impossible for man to be saved from his fallen condition. But with God, all things are possible. So Jesus made it very clear man is incapable of saving himself. That is an impossibility and let's hold that thought. You can't be good enough you can't do many good works. You can't give to the poor enough. You can't come to church enough. You cannot save yourself. I cannot save myself. Man cannot save himself. That is an impossibility. And so when we hear people out there today talking about all you've got to do is follow this, follow that, be good, whatever. Don't believe a word of it. It cannot happen. Man is incapable. It's impossible to save himself no matter how good he is. And no matter how wonderful he is. And sometimes I hear people say, but she's such a wonderful person. She can't be lost. It doesn't matter how wonderful anybody is. And I'm going to show you why. Look in the book of Acts chapter 17 and verse 26 Paul preaching at Mars hills preaching to people that were up, had, a, had false images they were praying to the unknown God they didn't know who he was so Paul begins to express and explain who this unknown God is and now he says at this point and he has made of one blood everybody say one blood he made of one blood all nations of men, all nations of men, to dwell on the face of the earth and have determined the times before pointed and, and the bounds of their habitation. So all men came from one pool of blood, Adam's blood, period. So because all men came from one pool of blood and that pool of blood was sin stained and tainted, that means this since the life of the flesh is in the blood the nature of man is passed down not from the flesh but from the blood and so every child that was born into this realm that's all of us whoever was born in Adam is born in sin and that means the death nature passes from Adam to every individual person born here's the dilemma the only way a person can be saved is through innocent blood but the problem is this, no one has innocent blood in other words if you had innocent blood you could die for yourself but you don't have it, I don't have it, no one has it, no one on the earth had it, in Adam all have sinned and as a result of uh, the sin of Adam it's necessary for each and every one of us to have a Savior who will die for us, in the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 notice what it says Wherefore, as by one man, who's that? Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So that death passed upon, how many men? All men, for that all have sinned. And it has nothing to do with, I sin by lying, cheating, stealing, murder, whatever. That's not it. The sin he's talking about is the sin in Adam, spiritual death. Passes from Adam to every person born through the tainted bloodline. So the Adamic sin nature is passed on from one to the next just through childbearing. So we have a dilemma, don't we? So we need innocent blood. And let me show you something. Look in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. We need innocent blood in order to redeem us from our fallen state. And almost all things are by law, by the law, purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. You couldn't get clearer than that, could you? It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. What does he mean by the patterns? On the earth, what they had, the tabernacle and all the sacrifices that were offered. You had the holy of holies, the holy place in the tabernacle. You had all that in the temple. Okay? So that's the pattern of it. In other words, this is the pattern of what's the real in heaven. So on the earth, the pattern, you can use animal blood. But it still wouldn't eradicate or remit all sin. It would only give us a type and only cover sin. So the pattern had to be purged with what? That blood. But the heavenly things themselves with what? Better sacrifices than these. Look in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4. It says, for it's not possible... It's not possible that what? That the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. It's not possible. Man can't save himself. His blood is impure. Animal blood can't save us. It doesn't matter if they're innocent. It's still not proper. It's not better. It's not right. It's not good enough. So therefore, we still have a dilemma, don't we? We can't get saved. We can't, no matter how good we are, no matter what good deeds we do, we are lost eternally, period unless someone produces blood that's better than bulls and goats and ours that's tainted with this sin. Well I look in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. Wherefore what's that there for? Well because animal blood could never take away sins when he cometh into the world the incarnation who's he? Jesus. Jesus. When he comes into the world, he saith, I love this. I know I do this every year, but I just love it. It just does something to me. Mary standing on the earth talking to Gabriel, and Gabriel says, says to Mary, you're going to conceive in your womb. You're going to give birth to the Son of God, the Son of the Highest. And she says, be it unto me according to thy word and when he cometh into the world he's up there saying I have come to do thy will O God so if you can see this taking place simultaneously she's saying let it be done to me according to your word he says I'm and he come into the world he said burn offering and sacrifice thou wouldest not and all of a sudden boom a hypostatic union takes place the second person of deity the God of creation enters into the womb of a woman, a virgin, important and boom, hypostatic union, 100% God 100% man, hypostatically united together eternally he's bringing blood you're going to see it, his blood is the only blood that's why I want to hear some of these people on TV with their interviews and all that saying there's many roads that lead to God. There's many ways that lead to God. I just stand there and look at them I just say I am the way, truth, and life Jesus said and no man comes to the Father but by me. And you're going to see what. Look in the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God we've been redeemed by blood Not the blood of a man that had the Adamic sin nature, not the blood of a lamb or a sheep or a goat or a bull, but by the blood of the Son of the Living God who became a man in the act of the incarnation so he could legally redeem us from our fallen state and reconcile us to God and make it possible for us to become the children of God. This is so important to understand. Why? Because too often people celebrate, to have no clue, it's just Christmas. But do we really know what Christmas is? Can we really fathom this? Can we wrap our brains around this? Jesus is the only way for this reason. Only he brought the blood that could save mankind from his fallen state. Only he. Wow. His blood was innocent. Now, in the incarnation, let's pull up the incarnation. The incarnation. Now we can better understand why we need an incarnation. Because man can't save himself. His blood is tainted. There's no possible way for him to redeem himself. In the book of Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time was come, It was 4,000 years. God sent forth his son, now notice this, made of a woman. Notice the emphasis. Made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Okay, the fullness of time. The fullness of the time. In other words, the time had finally come. You might say, why did it take God 4,000 years? Is he slow? Does he procrastinate? I think you know him better than that. No. He had to set the stage. He had to make the avenue proper. And I'll tell you what, there's so much rich teaching when you understand the different bloodlines that he used to to accomplish this goal. We, We don't have time to get into all the details now. But suffice it to say, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. We have the first prophecy of the incarnation. He just talked to Adam. And Adam, of course, just sinned. And now he's talking to the serpent. And here's what he says. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. It, that's her seed, shall bruise your head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So now Jesus is speaking to the devil. He is saying there is going to come a time when the seed of a woman not the seed of man, but the seed of a woman is going to come and he is going to crush your head, in other words strip you of your authority that you acquired from Adam's high treason you might persecute the church but he is crushing your head, stripping you of all authority and you will not have any power over the church the gates of hell won't prevail against it, so let's follow this, this line or this prophecy, notice in uh, the seated woman Notice in uh, Isaiah 7 and verse 14. Hundreds of years before it happens, therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Notice it's prophesied, it's prophesied by the Lord Himself that a woman shall conceive. Hmm. apart from natural generation, a woman's going to conceive in her womb and Emmanuel will be produced, God with us. Why is this so relevant and important? Because if you will do your research, you'll know that the child in the womb, the blood does not come from the mother. There's not one drop of the blood of the mother that enters into the baby. It's only when... They come together and the father produces the seed that's necessary that the blood begins to develop within the life of the baby. You can study the science of the blood and you'll see it to be true. Why is that important? Because any human being born through natural generation has the Adamic sin nature. So a man can't save himself. He's lost eternally. It took the second person of deity. Think about this. Making a decision to set aside his glory and power. Enter into the womb of a woman who was a virgin. And humbled himself to become a man. And as he entered into that womb. Which again, unthinkable. The blood that would develop within him would not start developing until the Holy Spirit provided the sperm that was necessary for it to happen in that womb. The Father provided the blood. So now look at this. The life of the flesh is where? In the blood. So if it would have been generated by Adam what kind of life would have been in the blood death since the holy ghost provided think about it the blood what kind of life what kind of life is in the blood life there's no death so jesus becomes the god man jesus has within himself the only blood that can possibly redeem you and redeem me from the eternal lake of fire would you call that precious I know I would only Jesus look in the book of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 it says for unto us a child is born Jesus unto us a son is given Christ the prophecy continues a son is born a child is born rather, Jesus, a son is given, Christ, the government shall be upon his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, all these names attributed to God himself in other words, it's a virgin birth, in other words, it is God himself manifesting himself among men, he is 100% God 100% man and his flesh, he partook of flesh, see it's not the flesh that's the problem, it's the blood that's the problem And when the blood is the problem and it's tainted with sin, it can do nothing to save mankind. Look at the next one. In the book of Luke, chapter 1. The son was given, Christ. The child was born, Jesus. And now the angel said to her, this is angel Gabriel coming to Mary. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus or Savior, he shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. Not the son of any natural man on the earth, but the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. So now notice what's happening here. The angel Gabriel announces the fact that she is going to be the virgin Isaiah spoke of hundreds of years prior and you're going to conceive in your womb the son of the highest so now we see we can trace his lineage all the way back to the father in the flesh now look at the next one in Matthew 1 because this is what we celebrate this is what we're talking about here this is why we give gifts and boy do we need to get that in perspective now the birth of Jesus Christ notice Jesus humanity Christ deity the human and the divine was on this wise, when as his mother, Mary, was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the what? Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Now wait a minute. When you're espoused back in those days it's as if you were married. And if she became pregnant because she was unfaithful to him, he had every right to actually have her put away or divorce her. But because he was such a just man, he didn't want to humiliate her in any way. He was going to do it privately. He was going to cut off really divorce her and not go through with a ceremony of marriage. But while he thought on these things, and who wouldn't? What man on earth wouldn't think, what have you been doing? Um... It wasn't me. It was the Holy Ghost. What? You want me to believe a Holy Ghost made you pregnant? Seriously? You want me to buy that? But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, "What, Joseph, thou son of David? Notice it's emphasizing." the son of David, the son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, this is exactly what Isaiah said isn't it for he shall save his people from their sins now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying Behold, a virgin shall be with a child, shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us, which is Isaiah 7 14. Now you've got the angel involved, angel of the Lord, speaking to Joseph, and Joseph awakens from it and realizes this is legitimate. She wasn't lying to me. This is all of God. All right. Look in John's Gospel, chapter 1. In the beginning, John wrote this gospel, the last gospel, years after the first three synoptic gospels were written. And why did he write this gospel? Because many were challenging the deity of Jesus Christ. Oh, many said by this time he's a good man, he's a role model, he's uh, maybe a prophet, some good preacher, you you know, your children could look up to him, and so on and so forth. He said, no, 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 no. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same as in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not made anything that was made. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became a man and dwelt among us. John is making it very clear. You want to see God? Look closely at Jesus Christ. So all these scriptures are revealing to us that the prophecy from the beginning, Genesis 3.15 is now coming to pass. Even though it took 4,000 years. So the seed of the woman. What was the second thing that God Almighty said? He would bruise his head. Well let's see if that happened. In the book of Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 through 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same. You know the word part there and partakers are different. Partaker means that you're completely part of it. It's experienced in you. He took part of the same. He took on flesh. But he didn't take on blood. That was tainted by the Adamic sin nature. He took part of the same. That why through death. He might destroy him. That had the power of death. Who gave him the power? Adam from the very beginning. That is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death. Were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Notice. Through his death he destroyed death and he who had the power of death. Look in the book of Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. Jesus once again becoming a man, dying the death, being raised from the dead, having spoiled principalities, disarming them and powers. He made a show of them openly or a public display of them triumphing over them in it. And once again we could be a little bit blind when it comes to understanding that because we don't do that in our country. If you, for example, when Saddam Hussein was finally wiped out, did we bring his head home on a charger and parade it all over the news or up and down the streets like a parade? We didn't do that. But I want you to know that when Jesus... See, back then, that's what they did. When David brought back the head of Goliath, when other kings bring back the head of their rivals... There is a parade that goes right on through through town and they parade the fact that the enemy's been defeated and they're victorious and now they're free from the oppression of the fear that that enemy represents. I pray that God one day will provide the movie theater and the popcorn and we can sit back and we can watch the parade when Jesus stripped the devil of all that authority and power once and for all and made a public example before all his followers that said, yes, we're going to go with you. We're to All those angels that fell along with him, he made a public display of them all. He destroyed him that had the power of the devil and reduced him to nothing. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, had the enemy, had the devil known that the resurrection or the death and resurrection of Christ was going to defeat him, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. You realize that? He didn't know that. But once again, we see Jesus being victorious. Then look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. For he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning... For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Notice it's the Son of God. That he might destroy the works of the devil. So I ask you, was Jesus the seed of the woman? Yes, and the only seed of the woman. And was Jesus the one who crushed the head of the serpent? Yes, he crushed the head of the serpent. So who was he talking about? Who was Jehovah, the Father God, talking about when he said to the serpent, At that time in Genesis 3.15, who was he talking about? Jesus Christ, the God-man, the union of deity with humanity. He said he will be the one to do it and redeem man from his fallen state. Well, the question is, did Jesus come and did Jesus do it? And look at 1 John 1.12. This has never been something that was possible before this. John once again writing about Jesus. The word becoming flesh and dwelling among us says. But as many as received him. See he came to his own in a prayer verse. In his own. Except him not. Received him not. But to them that received him. He gave them power to become what? The sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Oh brothers and sisters. There is only one way. Jesus is the only way the only truth, and the only life. Nobody can get to the Father except Him. And why do we, through Him, why do we celebrate? Because this is the beginning. This is the beginning of God sending His Son to reconcile man back to Himself after 4,000 years of doing what He needed to do if the stage was set. And again, there's not time to give to you the two lines. I may do that soon here. But there was a righteous and an unrighteous line, and he used wisdom to deceive the devil. Can you imagine that? The deceiver was deceived. And God used his wisdom to deceive the devil to follow this line when he was coming through that line. Isn't that just like God? Wiser than the devil? Mm -hmm. So if you chase them all if you if you follow them all the way back, Joseph and Mary were both part of the lines. You realize that? One through Nathan and one through David. He was chasing the, the line through Nathan. I'm sorry. He was chasing the line through David rather. The kingly line through David. But Nathan was on this side. And as a result. Mary was born. And it goes all the way back to what God. Said from the beginning. A decoy. It was a decoy. And when Jesus was born. I love this. When the devil had Jesus crucified. And the devil knew he was dead. He wiped his brow. He said finally that crazy wild man that's just destroyed my kingdom that healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, raised the dead caused all this havoc. All that he's been doing when he walked upon this earth. Even, even making the wind and wave and the sea obey him. And even walking on water and making people think he's some miracle worker. Even multiplying food and all that stuff. Finally he's Done. So he got himself a ticket and he flew to Hawaii. He was resting. Might have been Cancun. I'm not sure. I'll have to check that out. He's sitting back. He's resting, you know, in his laurels. He's done what he's had to do. He thinks, now I'm victorious. Because it says if he would have known, he wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. But he didn't know so he's sitting back and he's relaxing and all that. When all of a sudden there's the sound of the shofar. The angels are singing. Today Christ the child is born. And so on right. He hears all that going on. And all of a sudden Jesus is at this point raised from the dead. He's as nervous as you can possibly be. He puts down his drink. Hallelujah. And now he has to fight. He's he's floored. He doesn't know what's going on. But you and I do. Life is greater than death. Jesus is greater than the devil. The son of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, that's why he chased him down from the time of his birth. To kill him. To destroy him. Because he thought he'd destroy the kingly line. And again, if you study it out, you'll find out that the kingly line was interrupted because of sin. But God had a decoy. God is wiser than the devil. Let's conclude by looking at this. And this is so important. Look at 1 Timothy, first of all, before we get into this, this, this last. No, I'm sorry. Back it up. The beginning was what? The incarnation. The second thing was the crucifixion. Where he became your sin on that cross. The third thing was the resurrection when he was raised up from the dead power over all the power of the enemy and then notice this then his ascension and seating at the right hand of the majesty on high and look at John 17 how powerful is this we're we're following the line of the son of god i have glorified thee on the earth i have finished the work which you gave me to do and now therefore o father glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which i had with thee before the world was did you hear that tell me who else can say that who else can speak those words give me the glory that i had before i set it aside to become a man to do what you needed to be done for redemption give it back to me and there was a coronation service that took place in glory which he was reinstated his glory was reinstated because he finished the work the father gave him to do My brother and sister, this is greater than anything we can even imagine. So now he is reinstated. He has his coronation. He has a scepter of righteousness. He is sitting on the throne. And 1 Timothy 2.5 says this. There's only one mediator. Look at this. There is one God. You believe that. Right? And one mediator. Those that say there's many ways. No, there's only one mediator. Between God and men. Who is he? Who is he? Notice what Paul calls him. He calls him the man. He's the man. So if you ever tell somebody you're the man. mm -mm. Who's the man? Who's the man? What's his name? He's the man. Notice he emphasizes the man. The man is 100% identified with mankind because of his flesh his blood was pure and untainted with the Adamic sin nature he's the man Christ Jesus divinity humanity there is only one way and when people are offended when you proclaim or you begin to talk to them about Jesus or the gospel And someone recently just shared this with me. He said, I shared Jesus. I tried sharing Jesus with this individual. And he said, and the man turned at me with fire in his eyes. And he says, what gives you the right to invade my privacy and push your conviction over off on me? What gives you the right to talk to me about what I believe and what I think about my religion? And and, And the fellow, the Christian was just like beside himself. Thought, oh my goodness, I offended this guy. And really, the response should have been, the God that I serve, the God that I serve that raised his son from the dead told me, go into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. And you're a creature, and you have a right to hear it. If you reject it, you can reject it. But I'm telling you, I am mandated. I am commissioned to let you know. That's it. That's why I did it. I'm not invading your privacy. I'm just giving you a way of escape so that you can escape eternity in the lake of fire. Now, it's up to you as as to whether or not you want to accept it. Amen. There's only one need here. His name is Jesus Christ. You can follow who you want. And you can follow what you want. But I guarantee you none of those roads are going to lead to the throne of Almighty God. Only one way does. Amen. Romans 5.8 says God commended his love for us while we were sinners. Christ died for us. Why? So that we could be saved by his blood. Yeah. 5.8 and 9. But so the blood of Jesus is the only blood that saves mankind. Can you see why? It's so precious. Let's conclude with Second Corinthians 9 verse 15. Glory to God. You talk about, we're talking about being filled with the fullness of God. This will help us. Because when we understand what he did. Oh the deep appreciation we should have for it. Thanks be unto God for his what? His what gift? Jesus is called the unspeakable gift. The gift beyond words. I can just see these children opening up their gifts and just going berserk on Christmas morning when they receive this little thing or that thing that they play with for one hour then they don't play with it for another 10 years. Have you been there? Have you been down that road before? Isn't that the truth? I like it when we're really at that young age when they play with the box that it came in and they set it up in the living room or something like that. And they have like a little hut that they make out of the boxes. And they don't play with the, ga- with the game or the gift or whatever. And when you hear children saying today that I'm bored. What? You've got iPads, iPhones, computers. Help me here. You've got all this technology of today and you are bored. I played with football that was on a metal thing that you plugged into and the vibration has made the men go down and score a touchdown. That's what I played with. I played with a stick and a little ball made from a stick and I popped it up like that and you'll smack it and then you'd run around the bases to make a, a home run. And you're bored? Seriously. Jesus is the gift beyond words. He's the gift you can't articulate enough with words to describe the beauty, the greatness, the impacting of the gift that God gave his only begotten son who had to reduce himself to a man, become obedient. Can you find Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 through 8? obedient to death, even to death of the cross, that Jesus was giving, given to the world to save all mankind. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Woo. Can I just have one more minute of your time? Can, can you find that? Okay. And then also while, you're, while we're doing that, Revelation chapter 5 and maybe um, 5 verse 9. Who being in the form of God, thought of not Robert to be called equal with God. "...but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. In being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself..." And became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So when I hear Oprah saying, you know what? I used to believe that way, but now I don't anymore. Because there are many ways you can get to God. Many roads that lead to God. Yeah, every other road leads to God's judgment. Only one road leads to his saving grace. And that is the blood of his son, praise God. That's it. If that's narrow-minded, Jesus says narrow is the way and straight is the gate. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So look at this in Revelation chapter 5. You know the story? There's John. He's on the Isle of Patmos. They couldn't kill him, so they exiled him to Patmos. And on the Isle of Patmos, what is he doing? He is there. He's writing. He's writing the Revelation that Jesus gives him to write. Chapter 5 comes along. What did he say? I saw Uh, God was on the throne with a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals on a, a great tall angel came with a loud voice saying, Who's worthy to take that book and loose the seals thereof? He said, I wept because there was no man in heaven, no man on earth, no man beneath the earth was found worthy to take the book, neither to look thereon. So he wept much. But then came an elder and said, Well, wait, wait a minute. Wait. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, of the root of David, he prevailed to take the book and loose the seals thereof. And I beheld in the midst of the thrones of the Lamb, as he had been slain, in heaven, seven or seven eyes, was of the seven spirits so of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne, and they sung a new song saying, "You are worthy to take the book and open the seals are up. You were slain, you redeemed us to God by your blood, out of notice, by your blood, out of every kindred, tongue and people and nation. Hallelujah. Who did that? Jesus only Jesus and every creature in heaven and earth and beneath the earth heard us saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever hallelujah praise God there's only one way one blood you and I were born when one pool of blood Adams but praise God we've got new blood flowing in our veins we're the children of God he washed us from our sins in his own blood he made us whiter than snow Hallelujah. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. (laughs) 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 So let me ask you a question. Your wife buys you a nice tie. What are you going to get her? brother you're right (laughs) a diamond (laughs) what an exchange are you going to buy are you going to give the almighty a scarf no what are you going to give to him isn't it common courtesy that you give back when someone gives you a gift what are you going to give him Well, I wrote some things down so you can look at. It. First of all, you're going to give yourself. Yourself. Ourselves. I'm going to give you my life, my time, my talents, my abilities, everything I possess. All that I have, I'm giving to you. That's what I'm giving back to you, God Almighty. My future, my hopes, my dreams my very breath that I breathe, I am giving to you to use as you will. I'm giving you what else? My obedience. My obedience. I know we're going a little bit longer. Maybe the snow will melt. (laughs) Look at the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12. I'm going to give you my obedience. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What's the conclusion of the whole matter, Lord? Fear God. That means reverence Him. Keep His commandments. That's my obedience. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Amen. I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my obedience to follow your commands. You know what part of that command is? 1 John 3, 16, we owe it to him to love others as he loved us. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We owe it to him. We are indebted to him to lay down our lives for the brethren. You know why you're here today? There could be mixed emotions. I don't know. You could be here out of obligation. I'm just here out of obligation. I'm supposed to be at Sunday. Or you can say, you became a man for me. You house the blood that saves me, the only blood that can save me. You chose to shed it for me on Calvary. You chose to take my punishment for me so I can be delivered from an eternal lake of fire. I'm giving myself to you, Jesus. I'm living for you. Uh, our worship, Psalm 92. Our worship. Our worship. Give unto the Lord. O ye mighty, given to the Lord glory and strength given to the Lord the glory, do his name, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And younger person out there that's, tech, you're savvy, you're techno- technologically savvy you know, anybody here been texting while you've been in church here today? Text. You know? That's okay, I'm not, I'm not pointing you out if you have that's, that's, that's okay, no problem. But that's how we do today, right? It's quiet, nobody hears it. Send it out, send it out, send it out, send it out. Well, guess what? What have you sent to God? If you don't give Him the glory, He can't receive it. I'm awake to give you glory, I'm awake to give you praise. I'm I'm awake to honor you with my voice and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming and thank you for shedding your blood and dying. Thank you for all that you've sacrificed for me, Jesus. I'm giving to you the gift of myself, my obedience, my praise, and my worship. I am honoring you with my life. Hallelujah. And then finally, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, our faithfulness. Our faithfulness. You know, God, Jesus, when he was on this earth, he said, will a man be found faithful? Faithful. More of it is required in stewards that a man be what? Found faithful. I'm faithful. See, here's where faithfulness is so important. Jesus said, "There's, there's, there, Here's a way that you can know if a man's going to be faithful, determined to be faithful. It's if he's faithful with his small thing, with small things. If he's faithful with his finances, and if he's faithful to help someone else succeed. Did you hear those three things? It's found in Luke's gospel. Three things: you're faithful in small things. It's a small thing that you made an effort to be here today in church with inclement weather that's out there. It's a wonderful thing that you did that and he appreciates your being here. Faithful with your financial giving, he says, with your resources that you have. All that I've empowered you with, all that I've given to you, when you're faithful to use them to advance my kingdom, okay? He says, you're faithful. But the third thing, you ready for it? And here's the acid test. Would you be willing to be faithful to help someone else succeed? Help another man succeed? If you work for somebody, help them succeed. Help their company succeed. Invest your life, your time, your your abilities. If they're paying you and you're giving giving you a paycheck and you're going home and you're making money, putting bread on your table, work hard for that person. Help them succeed. If you're in church and you're working for a pastor, you're working to help a pastor do what's necessary to help that ministry succeed. If you have that quality, that characteristic in your life and you're willing to help someone else succeed, he looks at you and says, faithful. And guess what? You're not helping me succeed. You're helping him succeed. You're not helping Christian assemblies succeed. You're saying... I'm going to make a contribution at Christian Assembly Church today. I'm going to go there not just financially. I'm going to go there I'm going to lift my heart. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to worship you I'm going to study the word. I'm going to tell somebody. You know when I just see people coming up like you came over here and you saw Brother, uh, brother Paul over here and you came and just put your arms around him just to love on him because you knew that he was faced with a challenge he was going through something. To, you see that happening when you see other people responding and doing the same thing. Guess what? That's giving yourself in love to advance the kingdom of God upon the earth and God looks upon that and he says that's that's what I want that's what it's all about right there amen hi pastor Bill here I want to thank you for joining us today on behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family whether you have young children or kids in elementary school if you're a teenager or a young adult we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of his love for you And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others.